Well, hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown for episode 11. We're in a rather chilly Leeds. It's pretty cold in Yorkshire, but we're counting down to Josh Warrington's world title defence against Luis Alberto Lopez. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, joined as always by my colleague, producer Scott Hamilton. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Slick switch hitter Janaid Bostan looks ahead to his third professional outing this weekend. Fresh from victory last weekend in Phoenix, Austin Amo Williams has flown over the Atlantic on a scouting mission ahead of a potential showdown with Felix Cash next year. Fighter, trainer, all-round legend Jimmy Tibbs recalls some tales from yesteryear and a certain sparring session with Muhammad Ali. Former world champion Kaylee Reese looks to leap to the top of the dance partners leaderboard and newly crowned WBA bantamweight ruler Nina Hughes runs through the best things to happen in boxing last week. Don't go anywhere. Well, Janaid, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on so close to the fight, but weigh-in done, refuelled. You look good. You look full. Um, ready to rock and roll tomorrow night. Yeah, man, I'm delighted, obviously. I'm missing the Brazil game at the moment right now, but I'm all good, I'm all good. Ready to fight tomorrow. It's on early, so it'll be in no time, really, will it? So, yeah. That atmosphere in Leeds is incredible. Yeah. Um, you excited to, uh, to be a part of that? I imagine that's part of the reason why... You turned over, you signed with Matrim for, for these big nights to be in front of that crowd tomorrow night. How much are you looking forward to that? Nah, massively. I'm looking forward to it a lot. I look forward to all my fight nights because obviously that's the part where you look forward to it. The hard work's done. Um, I've never been to Leeds at a Leeds show yet, as of so far. Not a Matchroom one anyways, as of, as of yet. But obviously looking at the teller, seeing how it is, it's, it's quite good. And obviously they're known for being a passionate lot, so... On top of the football game, Mad, it seems it? to be a, it's going to be a good day. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to be a part of it too. Crazy like circumstances, really. It's a bit of a one-off, really. It's a bit oh, of a one-off. You know? Yeah, it is. S- spoke to Warrington about it, and I was like, "Are you going to be able to watch the game?" And he's yeah. like, "No, I can't yeah. because he's a massive football fan, Josh." Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, "I'll keep tabs on the score, but I can't sit and watch it and get emotionally invested in it because yeah. I'll be flat as a pancake by the yeah, time." Definitely. A ring wall. Um, obviously, it wasn't really expected. Well, I mean, it was expected England to go through. Hopefully, it comes home. Do you know what I mean? But uh, with the sense of boxing so early, it wasn't really expected. And on top of that, a lot of people couldn't come because obviously, the idea of work and etc. But yeah, obviously, you got to make the best of these situations. And it's not a bad situation to be in. Hopefully, we get the W. Oh, breaking news! We have a goal. Oh, and Brazil have took the lead. It's one nil. Neymar. Ooh. Neymar. It was always Neymar. Is is the is drawing now with Pelé's. Oh really? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. serious player. Um, quick one on just life as a professional, Janaid. You're a character. Uh, I said that to you at the weigh-in today. I'm enjoying having you around. Uh, bit of a cheeky chappy, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. But um, great fighter. You, you've shown an awful lot. I think in your first three fights, three stoppages. How are you in? Uh, are you enjoying life in the spotlight? No, I'm enjoying it massively. Listen, I'd like the spotlight to be brighter, if anything, because obviously I think. I thrive under pressure, and I think like almost like pressure is a privilege. The way I see things, and it's good because then you've got a high expectation of yourself, and obviously you got you got to match it, and if not, do better. So I think I think I'll do the business tomorrow, and onto a big 2023, and ideally get onto their main cards, and ideally win a youth title and domestic titles at the back end of next year. Do you know what I mean, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Grant Smith, yeah. great trainer, great man, yeah. as well. How important is it when? You're heading into the ring. Ultimately, you're the only man who can who can win the fight, right? Once you're in them ropes, not your supporters, not your coach, who can obviously help you, but it's, it's on you. It's on but how much self-belief do you get and confidence knowing you've got a man like Grant behind you? He's, a, he's the only man I'd, I'd like in my corner. Yeah, like, I've, like, it was this, this, time last, this time eight years ago, 
I joined Grant's gym and I did so reluctantly. My dad forced me, funny enough. I remember I got my gear and everything. I remember going, why am I going so early on? Because don't worry, you're going. And then he just took me to Grant's gym and I remember Grant was waiting outside for me. I was on my own. It was only me and him in the gym and I just trusted I just trusted the process for whatever reason I did and I didn't really like it. And obviously he, he showed me very tough love and realistically speaking, looking back at it, I did really need it because it kept me on the straight and narrow and the type of person I am, I did need that to keep me focused. But looking at it, I've got here, like literally eight years ago, I joined and then four months later, I was a stone light and I won a national title. So it gave me a sense of belief. And on top of that, he's a tough man. However, he's got my best interests at heart and there's no other man I'd like in my corner because of that. I think it was Grant's birthday yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you get him a present? No, no, no. He won't, <laughs> he, won't let, he won't take no present off me. That's the type of man he is. He's like, he's very giving, but as long as you do the job and you listen to him, that's all he wants. Like literally the day before his birthday is when I joined his gym. So it's easy to remember and quite like a good story obviously he's always been tough on me but it made sense him and my dad always give me bollockings you know in his office or I might have been doing this wrong outside of the gym and to be fair we are he's got rid of a lot of people for far less than what I've ever done but obviously I think he's got a soft spot for me really but he never really shows it he's just always been tough on me but I understand why I had a chat with him um, in reception just before we went over to the way in and I asked him how his birthday was and he said look I'm not I don't make a fuss. All I did was took my dogs out yeah. and just had a nice relaxing day. I think he, he, he likes the simple things in his own personal yeah, he life. Went to he went to the dentist on his birthday. It's like he almost purposely <laughs> does these things. That's right? terrible. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. just, he's, not, he's almost not wide right. Do you know what I mean? He's just, he's like, he just deflates everything. He's not, he's not about that type of stuff. Do you see where I'm coming from? Like The moment I've boxed, he'll be gone. He's just, he don't really want to do it. He's reluctant to do interviews. He's reluctant to do anything like that because he's, he's, got his, he's only here for the boxers and end of the day the proof's in the pudding I feel like a lot of coaches are getting far credit the more they deserve because they're in the public eye and they're getting lads from well, Olympic gold medalists or whatever and starting on earning the careers whereas Grant's got me from, from young he's got obviously his son Dalton and I know Sonny Sonny, yeah. Sonny was of age but however yeah. it's, it's changed it massively and you had him from the yeah he's starting so. to get the credit I think he deserves to be yeah, fair 100%. Um, nice bloke you know, like you say and I think it's a matter of time till he gets the train of the year I really do so, and I feel I feel it's only going to come to the point where Sonny unifies a, a division. Sorry, Dalton does a massive thing on world level, and I'm winning the British title. Do you know something? Something's crazy got to happen to get him it, but yeah, he does deserve it. Definitely. I had a chat with uh, Chev Clark before he boxed the other week. His last fight of the year, he went, he wanted to. He was so desperate to go four wins, four knockouts. Yeah. He never really admitted it on camera, so I brought it up after he won the fight. By knockout. Is that uh, on the agenda for you? You want to make another statement tomorrow night? Yeah, definitely so. This is my point. It's like, there's no point beating around the bush. I want to make statements. A lot of people go in there saying, a win's a win. Yes, it is a win's a win. That's the main priority. Like, I'd rather have a bad win than a good loss. That goes without speaking. But I want to put a statement on. I want to show why I'm one of the best prospects in the country. And in doing so, you've got to catch eyes. And doing that, what's what's the cherry to, to the top? It's a knockout or a stoppage, so yeah, I want to get that exclamation mark, definitely so. Well, Janad, you've turned a lot of heads already. Look forward to you doing the same tomorrow night, and I'm sure when we catch up after the fight, uh, hopefully we'll be saying four from four, and you've done that, and you've, you've fulfilled your promise. So best of luck tomorrow. Uh, we'll let you go and chill out. Thanks so much for coming on, Appreciate and uh, we'll catch up very soon. Top Thank man. you, fellas. Nice one. Nice one. We certainly wish Janaid all the very best tomorrow night as he looks to make it four KOs from four fights. Um, one man who has an awful lot of interest, who's here on a serious scouting mission tomorrow night, 
is Austin Amo Williams. He's on the show now. Well, Ammo, welcome. Um, you always say the Ammo show is in town when you're fighting on a big car, but you've come over here. You've brought the Ammo show <laughs> to Leeds. First of all, you flew, flew over on the red eye last night from the States. Why are you here, in your own words? I'm here because uh, I want to show that I'm a person that takes an approach to war beyond just the ring. You know, psychological warfare, mental warfare, that's so important. And um, that is... Uh, asset that the fighters who take over for a long time have so you know i talked to eddie hearn and he we were on the same page that this was an amazing opportunity to step in and uh, start showing my face before felix fights and uh just start playing that game early and this is this is really teaching me for the big fights to come the even bigger fights to come I remember in your post-fight interview in Vegas, uh, that's the last time I'd seen you before, obviously your recent fight in Arizona, which we'll talk about, but I mentioned Felix Cash, and you never really responded, and you mentioned a couple of other names. When did Felix come into your mind, and, and when was it first put to you as an opportunity? You know what? Felix Cash was never a huge person on my radar at all. For some reason, he just never really stood out to me um, as somebody I thought would even... I just... I didn't see that being a big fight for me, I honestly, at the time. Um, he kind of threw himself on my trajectory when I, he did his tweets about me after I fought Kyron Conway. I got on Instagram right after I finished fighting Kyron, and that was a high-energy fight. That was my first time going 10 rounds. That was a big experience for me. And I seen, I mean, he was just ripping me apart on social media. So that made me um, say... I looked at him differently. I didn't, it wasn't even a, a anger induced thing. It was just like, oh, this this is actually a huge fight for, you know, match room to make. It's an easy fight to make and it's a credible fight to make. So then I was like, okay, let, let me play this game. Let me start jumping at him and uh, start building it up, show Eddie that I'm interested in it. And uh, that's where it stemmed from. Because you actually shared a card with him, didn't you, back in February at Alexandra Palace mm -hmm. in London. And he had a very tough tough night uh, what, did, what did you think uh, watching that, that back that night you know what that night I was so focused on I actually was really focused on Jacobs and Ryder because I look at Ryder as actually somebody that's where my mind was like Ryder may be somebody that I fight Danny Jacobs I wouldn't want to fight him just out of respect I feel like he's somebody who opened up doors for me you know as a United States fighter to come up but um, John Ryder, I feel like, is a fight that is readily available for me for matchroom. So I uh, was actually more focused on that fight than I was on Cash's. I was just like, oh, Cash having a hard fight. I actually felt like he was on the decline. I was like, something's off with him as far as, like, performance. It just seemed like he wasn't totally there. So that was the biggest thing I took from that fight. But even then, I wasn't, like, uh, salivating at fighting him because he had a bad night. I just was like, oh, that's a fighter who's not 100%. That's literally where my mind was with him. I want to ask you about the weigh-in today. Uh, Darren Barker, former IBF <laughs> world middleweight champion, obviously trained uh, in his career by Tony Sims, who trains Felix Cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I think he forgot he was a presenter for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Sort of went square on. T talk to me from your perspective that, about that conversation with you and Darren. Oh, man, you know something? As a fighter, I'm... Um, I've learned how to read energies of people, like, immediately. So, like, kind of his first 
the first word he said, the first way he came at me, I was like, oh, this is a guy that's against me. It's, it's about to be a battle. I knew it. I'm talking about heart and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely in a little battle right now. It, but you know what? We laughed and we hugged afterwards because it's a respect when you get to a certain level where you can have those battles outside of the ring. Like, who's going to keep their composure? Who's going to say the most thing, the thing that's going to stick out the most? Who's going to say the thing that makes the most sense? Who's going to say the thing that's the most relevant to the fight coming up? And I feel like on that scale, I won that battle. But it was just awesome to see that because you get deeper into the game, the critics, they become more important. So you got you have to talk to people with you know, strong opinions. Sometimes the opinions will be against you and uh, it's self-control. What will you do when somebody isn't in your corner, when somebody is kind of pulling your leg to, to make you react in a way you don't want to? You know what I'm saying? I guess on that, with Darren earlier on, his professionalism was questioned on social media afterwards. You know, he's meant to be a host, <laughs> but at the same time, you can... You can't, it comes back to that word. I kind of respect his loyalty because at the end of the day, he's backing his guy. Like Jamie just referenced there, Felix Cash's trainer is Tony Sims. So that's the connection. And I guess that's why he was backing him. So I kind of get it from his side. It made great viewing, um, does some good numbers and adds a little sprinkle into the pot for, for when you fight Felix. So uh, interesting times ahead. Well, let's, let's, fight, let's look ahead to tomorrow night, Emma. Let's say perfect scenario, Felix wins. Which he should do. Otherwise, we're in a, we're, we're in a spot of bother uh, if that doesn't happen. Uh, That'd be a waste to fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Felix wins. What in your mind are you going to do? Are you going to get in the ring? Are you going to get in his face? I mean, you're two characters, right? We're two characters. You're two characters. You yeah. are right now, which makes me really happy. You seem in a terrific place. Yeah, I must say. And we're going to come on to talk about that. But you're two characters, two ferocious fighters. You gonna get in his face? You gonna tell him what he's messing with? You know, some I'm gonna get in the ring. I, I'm the type of person I wouldn't, and this is actually what made me frustrated with Cash is, or not frustrated, but lose respect. This is what made me lose respect for Cash is the fact that he came at me so strongly right after I had a really, really tough hard fight. As fighters, we understand like after a fighter has a hard fight, he's gonna be a little drained. Like give him some time to recover, just mind come back you know it's such a mental exertion and for me to see him like attack me at that point that made me say oh you're one of those type of guys you wanted them kick somebody while they're down type of guys get them while he's wounded sort of guy so for me I won't mirror that because I know he'll he'll just be coming out of a fight where his head is wrapped around somebody else in reality he needs to be a hundred percent focused on this kid that he has to fight tomorrow but when i get in the ring tomorrow it'll be to let the public know that this is definitely a fight that is has to happen i've come across the world to get you know in the same vicinity as felix cash to let everybody and him know how serious i am about fighting him so that just solidifies the fact that like he cannot pull out of this fight I'm putting the pressure on him where he has to take the fight. But as far as it being an aggressive ex exchange in the ring or something like that, I'm I'm actually mature. I'm feeling more mature from that, knowing I'm not going to block what is to come, but I'm going to let people know what's to come. Do you think, Ammo, that fighters need to take a little bit of a leaf out of your book? Because the most common gripe in boxing is that the best don't fight the best often yeah, enough yeah. and like we saw with Usyk flying over and he got in Fury's face and Joe Joyce did the same you know this is what you need to do right you need to almost force a fighter's hand at times and leaving him leave them in a position where they can't say no no absolutely absolutely 
Um, one thing I hate the most, I honestly, I'm not a fighter that talks a lot, like verbal attacks. I'm not really into that at all, personally. But Felix opened the door for me to do that in a sense where it was like, I can make, I'm in a position of enough power where I can make a fight happen. Like, if I stay focused on a fight, if I call it out enough, if I cause enough drama around it, if I stir the pot enough, I can make a fight happen. And uh, realizing that I was at that point in time, I said, okay, yes, the best don't fight the best because when they do have that position of power, they scurry or they want to find the easy fights. They want highlight fights and things like that. For me, I said, no, no, no. The trajectory I'm on, he is the perfect fight for me to get another title, to eliminate for, you know, the WBA. It's the perfect fight. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to use my voice for this one. For this one, I'm going to make sure it's a situation where the world knows I want to fight him, and it makes perfect sense. Great stuff, can't wait. Well, I have no doubts he will win tomorrow. It's a terrific fight, mm -hmm. like you are. But, uh, yeah, no doubts he'll get the job done tomorrow. Before we do, just talk a little bit about yourself and, and your life, Ammo. Um, talk about the fight in Arizona. You Like you say, you took it on relatively short notice. You'd been blowing your opponents away. I remember being in New York, and Cordell Booker was meant to be a big step up, and before I'd even sat down, that fight was over. Mm -hmm. Uh, good to get the rounds in. Mm, yeah, definitely. At the point that we're at now, like with the trajectory being world championship shots and eliminators and stuff like that, rounds are important. The boxing world knows I have knockout power. The boxing world knows I can go in extremely aggressive and take somebody out in one round, but we're not at that stage anymore. It, there's a transcendence of a fighter when they go from being a quick, fight explosion that it's like a candle in the sun sort of thing a fight starts out hot a fighter starts out hot bunch of first round knockouts on low level opposition and then as soon as they have a step up and they look terrible over eight rounds or they look terrible over 10 rounds i'm at the point now where i want to show the real artistry of boxing i want to show the true beauty and having 36 minutes i in my 13th in my 14th fight i'm gonna have the full 36 minutes I want to start showing class. I want to start showing the a story of how I broke a person down, how I got in their head from the first to the fifth round and transitioned it into physical, you know, turmoil from the sixth to the twelfth round. Like, I want to do stuff like that. So me learning how to stretch my opponents, carry my opponents, for instance, the last guy I fought, I could have knocked him out in the fifth round. I seen he was completely ready to go. I could have turned on and just did like an ammo flurry and could have got a stoppage. But I was like, why? Why do that? You know, instead of really taking these 10 rounds that Matchroom has invested in me. And then I'm also thinking the majority of, of fighters' problems in today's society of boxing is they don't get enough fights. They don't get enough 10-round fights. Nobody is getting two 10-round fights in the span of three months. So I'm like, okay, let me look at this differently. I don't need the fake hoobla or the fake praise of getting a first-round knockout. I'm beyond that. I know what boxing really is. So I'm like, let me really take my time and become a master craftsman. Let me use these minutes to become a master craftsman and i was able to do that i was able to show the world that i can break a guy down over 10 rounds you mentioned the word art 
I can't, can't, can't even say it, uh, artistic, I think was uh, referenced a minute ago. Um, there was one arty element from your fight last weekend was your ring walk and Ziggy. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen a dog on a ring walk before. That was pretty cool. I'm not going to not going to lie. We need to find that if that's been, <laughs> if that's been done before. We need to find that. That was pretty know. special. Just talk yeah. to us about Ziggy because you seem to have a very close bond. More than just a dog to you. Yeah. He's more than just a dog, man. He's part he, of the team. He's, he's in the dressing room. Team. He's an anchor for my life. When I was going through a lot of like really hard things, um, he was definitely the influence that made me make the right decisions, made me make the right choices, made me actually see the recovery process through of being like in turmoil and pain and stuff. Um, just wanting to be the greatest, you know, the the greatest owner of him. I, I hate to even use owner, the greatest friend. Let me say the yeah. greatest friend. To be the greatest friend of him, I know I had to really find true mental stability, true mental understanding and emotional understanding of myself. And um, to be the greatest trainer of him, I knew I had to do that. So he wasn't. He's not just an animal in my life. He uh taught me also how to transcend the barriers of communication that a lot of humans think we as humans are the only entities that can interact and dogs and stuff are completely separate. He's one major thing that allowed me to exercise just the exchanges of energy of something beyond a human you know and and how there's so much more things that understand our energy other than other humans so he's just a bit he's just somebody a parameter in my life that you know taught me how to take care of myself and take care of something else because boxing i'm ferocious in the ring but i don't show that to him i'm not abusive you can't be abusive to your animal you can't be you know hollering at them or exp- exerting like dangerous energy to them they would never be the type of dog that ziggy is ziggy is a testament to who i am in real life because your animal is literally whatever you put into them so he's so much more than just an animal to me and i'm so proud of him he could have came out here with us uh with me and my sister but he just has such a full year. I mean, he's worked. He's worked really hard. He, he really has. Yeah, yeah being, <laughs> being at those fights, being ringside from the fights, watching, he understands that I'm fighting. You know, he knows that something high energy is going on and for him to keep his poise and, uh, you know, also still interact with crowds correctly and stuff. That's He's a phenomenal animal, you know. So I'm blessed to have him. And... Uh, He's taught me so much. He's taught me so much about myself, and he's one of the reasons why I recovered so fast from the things I went through because I had a major reason to. You know what I'm saying? That's a beautiful relationship, and I will just say I'm on behalf of everyone at Matchroom, especially myself, I'm so happy to see you in such a good place. You seem tranquil, you're smiling, you're laughing, and that, most importantly, is is. So, so good to see from, yeah. from all our perspective. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I could sit and talk to you for longer. I keep saying that to all our guests. I just enjoy <laughs> talking to people. But uh, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll be, all be praying that Felix gets the job done. Yeah, Felix. Night. No doubt he will. Uh, get warmed up just as that fight's ending, just in case <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to shape up a little bit <laughs> yeah. uh, in the ring. But Felix Cash versus Amma Williams coming in 2023. Let's get it on. Amma, big thanks fight, for coming on. Fight. No problem, man. I want to tell Felix, man, hey, Get the job done. I don't want to distract you from winning this fight. We're going to have to fight. 
this is not the time to to overly focus on me. Get the job done, and I'll see you in 2023. Bring on. Cheers, Amy. Well, Scott, final show of 2022. It's been a long year, a good year, a lot of good fights, a lot of good nights. Um, excited to uh, to have a couple of weeks rest? Yeah, I am. I'm not going to lie. Like you say, it has been a long year. Um, quite seems a long time. What was that first show? Ryder Jacobs. Yeah, way back. February. Yeah, time flies, mate. But yeah, good to recharge the batteries and go ahead for next year. I think usually this period is often looked at from a, a lot of people in the industry to down tools until sort of January. But I think we'll, where we've got a bit of a, an earlier show in December sort of gives us a week or two bit of creativity. So I know we've got a, a few bits in the pipeline uh, next week, which you guys listening can uh, expect to see across our, our channels in the, in the coming weeks before and after Christmas. So looking forward to, to seeing how all that unfolds as well. And it looks like we're going to be kicking 2023 off with a bang, obviously, Ammo Williams, Felix Cash, a fight that's been talked about. Ammo's, like I said in the intro, there's has flown over um, on a scouting mission for that fight. Eddie keeps talking about Lee Wood and Mauricio Lara being rescheduled. So we've got some some big nights uh, for the fans to look forward to early next year, it seems. Yeah, I've had a little peek at the schedule, actually. Obviously, I'm not going to dip into I don't even know. Anything. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you'll find out in due course, my friend. But um, no, there's some really, really interesting fights in there, actually. Uh, and I guess it's just a bit of a waiting game. Uh, presumably Frank and Eddie tying up contracts and whatnot, and fingers crossed we can maybe get a few out there before Christmas. Well, along with the fans, I'm looking forward uh, for a bit of a heads up, so that will be appreciated, mate. Uh, let's talk about just what's been going on. I mean, we've not had a podcast since Abu Dhabi. Um, just so much going on, people being on different sides of the world. Don't think it's quite as effective on Zoom, so it's good to be face-to-face, obviously, in the in the media room, in the hotel, you know, the fight hotel in Leeds for, for Josh Warrington's fight this weekend. But Taylor Carabajal, good night at Wembley Arena. Good to see Katie back. We've got to see the, the Croke Park fight next summer. That's what I really want to see. In your opinion, does it have to be Serrano? Yes. Yeah, it does. I think I think just the way that first fight unfolded. I mean, when you just said then about some big nights of the year, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. The atmosphere of that night. Was it the fifth round when Katie got proper oh, wobbled? Man. And then the... The grandstand finish, finish, finish. Vanish. Um, that actually was one I think you'll probably look back on in 10, 15, 20 years and think oh, it was an I was there moment. It genuinely was epic. That was That's my, for this year, certainly. Um, can't describe, I mean, people probably think I'm just over-exaggerating because it, it was our show. I can't describe what the atmosphere was like at MSG that night. Uh, for me personally, like first time in New York, the whole week was epic with Jake Paul and it was just, it was just an amazing event to say I was a part of really but the atmosphere like you say in that fifth round I, made, I remember looking around the media section of the arena ringside and all the matchroom staff were sitting together and everyone had their head in their hands um, Katie won't mind saying is that, uh, us saying that now obviously because she won the fight and she battled through um, like the true fighter the warrior she is but that fifth round was, was pretty scary wasn't it <laughs> just a little bit mate yeah and I think that's why it has to be that fight for the rematch because yeah, it was agree, close yeah. I think you know it's all well and good having these mega fights, but how many of them truly live up to and over-deliver on what you expect and hope for? I think that fight did, and I think that's why it sets up a, an intriguing rematch. Absolutely. Um, Dillian White, good to see Big Dill back, back on a matchroom show as well, back to winning ways. Jermaine Franklin, I mean, he was brought over a bit of an unknown quantity, decent record on paper, but I think surprised a few people with his performance and split opinion on, on social media that perhaps he should have got the nod that night. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought Dillian was going to wipe him out, to be honest. Like you say, a bit of an unknown uh, quantity coming over. Didn't particularly on the eye 
look you know visibly like a you know a top level heavyweight should we say but actually has come away from it in defeat his stock has certainly gone up and like you say some people had him winning that so i'm pretty sure he'll get another gig off the back of it and rightly so as well to be fair i'd like to see him fight again and talking about rematches i'd love to see aj white too for me that's a massive fight still I don't, you know it's weird you saw the, the clip in saudi when they when they shared the card and dillian had been through a bit of a bad patch and there was a bit of respect there. We saw him after the fight and AJ was a bit riled up and he gave him quite an aggressive fist bump and Dillian sort of mocked him for that. But I think there's respect to an extent, but also I think these two really do want to settle the score. After all, it is one all. From the amateurs, yeah. from the pros, it's, it's one apiece. So we, there's no reason why we shouldn't see it. Yeah, I think with the belts presumably tied up with, uh, you know, Usyk and Fury and Hergovic as well sprinkled in there and maybe one or two other mandatories, the belts potentially will fragment so that would be interesting to see what happens if they're both in a position to, to to maybe fight for a vacant title if not they want to be in a position to fight for a vacant title therefore that fight does make sense like you say it's got the the back history yes in a way with the belts tied up like i just said it's it's probably the biggest fight for both of them i think the fans would, would be happy with that fight yeah i wish yeah. i put myself in the perspective i was a massive boxing fan before i started working at match and i still am and i think if i saw AJ White too. I'd be, I'd buy a ticket. I'd be excited for that. I'd buy a ticket. I think, will we see them both maybe take an interim fight before? Don't forget, you know, there's new trainers on, on either side. So there might be a reluctancy from the training side to jump into such fights. And maybe that's one for the summer. But um, yeah, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're talking about I was there moments. I think I've had a few this year. Um, don't want to upset any fighters if I don't mention their big wins. Joe Cordina winning his world title was a, was a very special night, wasn't it, in Cardiff? Taylor Serrano, definitely. Um, Fabio winning the British title against Nathan Gorman. Fair Terrific play to him, fight. Yeah, fair play. Blimey, three rounds of absolute carnage. I, was, I won't lie, I was a little bit worried after the first round, <laughs> um, but he did so well. He, he just comes alive. He gets hit, and I actually heard him. I was, I sort of snuck in to the inner bit ringside. Oh, good to see he was working. Yeah, mate. I know, I know. I was, I've, I've got a bit emotionally invested in that one, and uh, he almost let out this growl when he got hit, I which think, we've seen before. And he just came alive, and, and he went to a complete another level. Uh, and did what he had to do to, to get Gorman out of there. It was crazy, really. Yeah, we don't want to be seeing too much of that. Um, but we have seen it before. And like you say, it kind of maybe needed to happen for him to come alive. Um, yeah, interesting. Also interesting to see, you know, the Ben Davidson link up somewhat. You know, he's been working with him and he was, you know, the second in the, in the corner. Now he's got that British title uh, to go alongside his English. So, you know, what's next from out there? There's a couple of domestic fights. Dave Allen wants to fight. <laughs> um, do you start looking at European, which I think is vacant at the minute? So yep, it is, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting year for Fabio, actually. You what know, about Franklin, interesting. Maybe, maybe a bit maybe soon. A bit too soon for him. Yeah, I is think it? Franklin's. You know, Franklin would get a big fight off the back of that Dillian performance. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps that's one for the future. But of course, we are in Leeds for for that final hurdle uh, before we do break for the off season in Christmas. Great to see Josh Warrington back as a defending two time world champion. Um, he's up for this, and he has to be because I remember talking to him before. The Mauricio Lara, the first fight, and he was talking about Jean, uh, Jucan and Santa Cruz. And he finds himself, I think, in a little bit of a deja vu position in this fight because he's talking about Lee Wood, who's going to be at the fight tomorrow, and he's talking about Leo Santa Cruz still on a big night in Vegas. Is there a danger that he's got another dangerous Mexican in front of him and he might be overlooking him slightly? I don't think he'll be overlooking him. I think you know you can attribute that last time. I think we were talking yesterday in the fight hotel where the fight with Kanzu was pretty much done. You know, the artwork was done and Josh actually released that artwork the yeah. night that Lee Wood uh, dethroned Kanzu. So I think his mind probably was elsewhere. I don't think it will be this time. I think, if anything, 
you know, it, I suppose it could help align mindset and whatnot. But let's not beat around the bush. Lopez is trouble. He's going to be... He looks lively. <laughs> mate, them clips when you went on to see him in Swindon and put them out on social media, you know, you see the reaction. This guy's got very quick hands in and out. Bit unorthodox movement, which is intriguing and can obviously punch. And look, the, the top-ranked guys who represent um, Lopez, you know, they, they fancy him big yeah, time. Yeah, really fancy it. Really fancy it. I'd love to see uh, Josh against Lee. I think that's a terrific fight. Um, but like you say, business to take care of first. And yeah. probably fancy Josh over 12, I think. I think the experience... Um, will, will count massively. I also think people are very quick to write Josh Warrington off. He's beat just about everyone. Well, look, um, we was talking last night. Look best at his, of the year. Yeah, is, look um, at his resume. You know, Frampton, Selby, yep. the last couple of years. Also, probably goes a bit under the radar. I think he's won, um, he's had eight knockouts in his last 18 fights. So this yeah. this sort of um, stat about he can't punch is probably a bit unfair, you know. Listen what, to Cole Frampton. Look, when he was that. matched in his first sort of 10, 15 fights, you know, Steve Wood, his manager, is notoriously... Wants his fighters to be matched tough. Look at Akib Fiaz, great example of that. Managed by Steve Wood. Hasn't got a knockout in his record, similar to Josh, but he's matched tough. So when it comes around to fighting for these titles, he's faced every style possible, ready to kick on then, rather than knocking guys out left, right and centre. Not getting the ring craft, the experience. A quick word on the Chief support. It's raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, Ebony Bridges, Shannon O'Connell. I feel like I've been sat in the middle with a big spoon stirring the pot. Uh, went to see both of them in camp. Uh, we've got some great promos, some great lines from both of them. This is a fight that neither woman wants to lose. Is that the best way you would describe it? And obviously, Ebony didn't want to ditch the belt. Shannon's the mandatory challenger. As a good champion, you should defend against your mandatories. So we obviously won the purse bids over No Limit. You know, Shannon O'Connell's been in this game a long time, a long time, and she's bang up for this. You know, you can see the spite in her eyes. And also <laughs> in her voice as well, you know, some unsavoury comments. But I think that's cheering her up for it, to be fair. Ebony's kept it quite cool. So I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. I wouldn't like to call it. It's going to be all action. That's one thing we know. Ebony Bridges puts it all on the line for 10 twos. It's going to be blood, guts and thunder, literally. 100%. Can't wait. All the action, of course, live on the zone. The action gets underway very early. We're on the on our way to the arena at 11.30. We might as well just go now. Never had anything like that before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all the action from 2.15. Then we, of course, break for England v France. Um, and then we're back for Felix Cash against Neves. The chief support we just talked about, um, Bridges and O'Connell. And then the main event, Josh Warrington. So a massive stacked day of sporting drama, as Eddie put it. We move on now to our Everyone But The Fighter segment, the part of the show where we do just that, pay attention to everyone but the fighter. Let me hand you back over to producer Scott right now to tell you who we're speaking with this week. Slightly little bit of different tweak this week, Jamie. Okay. We've I'm got here bit, for it. We've got a bit of an all-rounder. Someone who's been there, done it, got the t-shirt, probably a couple of times over to be fair, the legendary Jimmy Tibbs. Wow. Let's what a coop. Let's hear some stories. Bring it on. Well, delighted um, to have Jimmy Tibbs, the legendary Jimmy Tibbs. He's raising a smile across the table from me there. Jimmy, welcome to the show. You made your professional debut in 1966, as far as my stats go. I hope they're correct. Something very special also happened that year. England happened to win the World Cup. One question, the opening question, is it coming home? Can we do it? I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> I think That's we've it's uh, going to be hard I think it's going to be hard they get through France uh, they've got a chance yeah. I think it's always um, we always set ourselves up yeah. up for it with, with so much hope and expectation what's your memories from uh, 
from that glorious night in, in 66. 66, well, my memories were really the, the final with Bobby Moore. Uh, when I first turned professional, I actually had my photo done with him over West End, West End football ground. I never did find that photo, but it was wonderful to meet him. He was a very, very, very nice man, but gentleman. And um, I wasn't a football fan, actually, then, because I was too tied up in boxing. But believe it or not, when I was a young kid, 11, 12 years of age, I went through a trial for West Ham with Frank Lampard, old Frank. He got through and I didn't. So uh, and then I turned to boxing. Wow. And, uh, but I always followed West Ham because my son played for West Ham. For, uh, he never got in the first team, but he played for him for a little bit. And um, that's Jimmy. And um, because one was boxing, that's Jimmy. And uh, one was boxing, that's Mark. And Jimmy was football. So I had two young boys growing up. I had to balance it out where I went every weekend. And um, yeah, I was, um, and, the, and the cup final, well, that was, we watched, all watched that, and Jeff Hurst and uh, Peters and all, all the others. Uh, the, the fellow named uh, Boyce, I can't think of his first name. Boyce, it was his last name. He had a butcher shop in um, the Bowling, near the Bowling West Ham Boys Football Ground, that way. And they was just ordinary guys, like they probably, are they ordinary today? I don't know. But they was then, you know. Yeah. Very, very uh, excited and happy with all my friends because they, you know, England winning the World Cup was a, a momental thing to win. I take it, um, was it just boxing for Mark? Was he not much of a player? Mark, no, Mark was just boxing uh, as a boy from, um, well, actually, he had his photo done with uh, John Stracy. My friend took him up to Repton and Mark was shaping up and uh, John H. Stracy was standing there. And he went, who's that little boy? And they said, that's Mark Tibson, because I knew Johnny went over, oh, I went over Mark, made a fuss of Mark, and they had their photo down together. It was in the boxing news. Brilliant. And uh, then he went on to box for West Ham. Then he went back to Repton, and he won all the titles there. He had uh, junior ABAs, school boys. Uh, and then he, he turned pro at 19. In my opinion, it was too soon. But he wouldn't listen to me. He wanted to turn pro. And uh, he was a good pro. I've, I trained him for, I think, I really... I really, I think, really think, if I'm being honest, then Mark's never ever said nothing to me about it. But I, I think someone else should have trained him. It would have been better than what he was. How's the, uh, there's always a great atmosphere, Jimmy, every time I come down the gym in Raynham. How's the um, the dynamic between you and Mark these days? Obviously, you're still a big part of the gym. All the young fighters really yeah. look up to you and love having you around. But how's the dynamic, especially in the corner on fight night between well, the two of you? Mark's a trainer there now. I don't train fighters. But I'm a cut man. I've been a cut man for years. I've been a cut man ever since I was working in the corner but as you go as you as you go on in life you gain more experience so I'm, I would say not boasting I'm a good cut man right so so I'm a cut man but I'm there if Mark wants any advice and wants a little note he'll ask me and I'll do a bit of groundwork for him take take him for a bit of groundwork but he's the main trainer there. he is the trainer there. so and I'm satisfied with it I've done my training for the 40 years wore myself out and uh, <laughs> I'm quite happy for him to be trainer because why he's a good trainer and I'm just just saying that because of my son. If he wasn't a good trainer, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be, be here talking about him. I'll just leave it. I mentioned that word respect there. There's so much respect when you look at Johnny Fisher and and John Hedges and Ebony as well. When they talk about you and Mark, you can tell yeah, yeah. the love they they have for you in the gym. For you, Jimmy, um, although you say you've you've taken a step back from the training, how important is it for you to be a voice for these young fighters and and someone that they can look up to? Well, I think it's very important because Mark has always said to me, when I say to him, 
maybe Ebony or one of the boys looking good for a good left hook there. He's got a good left hook, you know, Mark. Mark would always say to me, go and tell them, Dad. Go and tell them. And I do that. Well, I just sell them anyway. They're looking good. And uh, and you know, I might say, do this, do that, slip the left hand, put the left hook in, put your foot in first, things like that. And um, they like it. And they like me doing their hands sometimes. And Mark's a bit busy. So he said, Dad, do their hands up, do their hands up. And that. I'm involved. And that's... I'm involved as far as I want to be involved. If Mark wants to ask me to do a bit more, I would do it because he's he's a trainer. I mentioned about the atmosphere in the gym. It's always a great atmosphere. Do you think it's important, Jimmy, that the gym is obviously the place where you go to put in all the serious work, right, to get ready for the fight? But is it important that it's also a place that you enjoy going to every yeah. day? Do you try and create that that line, that, that blurred well, you, line? You try to enjoy it by not overdoing it too much. Do your job, like everything in life. If you do your job properly you'll probably be success, successful. But if you don't do it properly, there's always a chance you might fall. So we try to do it. Mark tries to do the best with training, and I do the best I am in that gym around the fighters. Well, let's talk about why you are here <coughs> in Leeds, Ebony Bridges. Big fight, a lot yeah. said in the build-up. Um, yeah. <laughs> how's, uh, how's Ebony been looking in the gym? She's certainly a character, but from a boxing perspective, how's she been looking? She's been looking very well, very good. Very uh, Obviously, she's very fit. Right hands, left hook, oh, left hook's come on beautiful. She's uh, She came down to see me last night, actually. I'm just opposite her. Knock the door, whatever it is. Come in, mate. Sat down, she said, Jim, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to roll all over her. <laughs> I said, that's it, mate. Don't give us time to breathe. Then she started getting up and doing a bit of shadow boxing. Let her do it. I said, you're looking great. She's ready for the fight. She's bang up for it. She's um, ready for and it. I think she's... You know, is it difficult sometimes when I know Ebony feels uh, a little bit insulted? She's thick-skinned, but I think, you know, there's a few things that Shannon has said in the build-up that yeah. Ebony's not taken too kindly. Do you always have to try and rein them in a little bit when they are, a, you know, when they well, have been a bit offended? Is there a, is there a dynamic with that as well? She's learned through me being a lot up there and through Mark, I suppose, obviously. Uh, being a, through experience, I say to her, listen, as you get older, you're champion of the world. They're going to say what they want to say to you. Let it go. Just do your job. That's the way I talk to her. Do your job and you retain that title. And I know Mark described it as a little bit of a gamble. He wasn't too sure uh, what he was getting himself into when, when Ebony first came into the gym. Yeah. But for yourself, as someone who's been involved in boxing for so many years, how have you enjoyed the, the fresh challenge that it's brought working at the world of women's boxing? Well, I've got to be honest with you. I never, ever thought that I would be involved in, in women's training and boxing. Personally, I'd like to see it stay as it is. Ten to be honest with you. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is certainly that argument. Though. They're always entertaining, aren't they? Always, because yeah. you haven't got a lot of time, have you? That's you say to, you go to someone like Ebony, t- her 12 toes, uh, she might want to pace herself a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That extra two rounds. Well, we don't want her to do that. We want her just to go. Because yeah. we know we can really? keep that. As long as she's sensible with it, not just rushing in and getting it to... Get to be it, to, you know, not getting it to get there, slipping and sliding, then be throwing the artillery. What's the um, biggest difference you've seen just in the gyms in general, the dynamic in the gym? Obviously, having the girls involved now and, and training alongside the boys, but how, how have gyms trained, uh, changed, Jimmy, over the years, in your opinion? What, what main gyms all around? Just a boxing gym. Like, what, yeah, well, how has that dynamic changed from, from when you well were it's in there? Changed, it's changed so much. It's uh, There's a lot more coming in. When, when I was a fighter, we had. Uh, we used to do our road work in the morning, uh, train at five or six o'clock. Now, if I had any brains, I would have done my road. Instead of getting up six o'clock in the morning, I'd have got up about 11 o'clock, gone over to Wansid Park, 
done me running, come back and had a lay down because I was a full time pro. Then then gone at five o'clock. Didn't that get up at six? But I've done it because Henry Cooper used to do it. <laughs> and that's the way it was. And there was none of this strength and conditioning and these uh, these drinks they drink. Yeah, the nutrition side. Drinks, yeah. We never had none of that. If he was making weight, it was I was meat and greens, water. Meat, greens and water to make the weight. You mentioned Henry Cooper there. You boxed on the, the R. Lee Cooper undercard. That's right. I believe. What are the memories, Jimmy? So for me, you know, I'm 25 years old. I've only ever seen tapes of R. Lee. I would love to have been able to sit and have a chat like I'm, uh, with R. Lee like I'm having with you now. But how was it like being around him? And what are your memories of, of being around the greatest? Well, I can't put it in words. Fantastic. I took, can I tell you a little story? What Absolutely. Of course, I've got it on my phone. But I'll tell you the story. I turned professional and it was about my fifth professional fight, I think, at Ivory. And um, my mate asked me to put a fence up over Stratford to help him out. So I had time, plenty of time on my hands, went over there, messing about with the fence. I got to be down to the gym about five, six o'clock, got my own car. And anyway, so I get some of it. So also my mate pulls up in his car, I said, Jim, I've got your training gear in the uh, in the back of the motor. You've got to go to White City. You're sparring with Ali. So I'm weighing about 12 stone. So I thought, me? Sparring with Ali? Ain't got no money to pay for sparring partners. I'm only trying to <laughs> I ain't saying this, I'm thinking it. Uh, he told me Terry Lawless and Mickey Duff are up there and you know they're all up there. The camp's up, Angelo Dundee and all uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ellis. Yeah. I borrowed his his cup they forgot my cup, I borrowed Jimmy Ellis's cup and I got a photo of me just touching Ali's gold with J in. J E on. And my name's James Edward Tibbs. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so he gets in the car, goes up there, and I'm still thinking, hey, I'm a spower, mate. I'll have a go, I'll do the best I can, you know. So he gets in the ring, Ali's there, he just shook hand, didn't say no. Jimmy Ellis was smiling, this and that, and the other couple of sparring partners. So I got dressed, and I didn't have a cup, and Jimmy Ellis said, here, Jim, put it on. Give me his cup, put it on. Got me gear, and gear, and loosened up, you know. Put the gear on. Got in the ring, shaped up with him, went crack like, just touch his head, go down he went. And I, and I went, in my head, did I hear him? I don't think I hear him. Did I hear him? I don't know. He's done me. He's done me brain. Right. And he's rolling all around. And they're click, 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 click. That went all around the world. It was, and they're all laughing. Mickey Duff, Angelo Dundee. It was for publicity. It was on the New York Times, I think. It was yeah. the, the only Brit. I'm the only British fire, the first British fire, I should say, to be on the New York Sports. Something well, like that. Yeah. Dean Powell got it for me and told me. And... Um, Anyway, I went to add me fight uh, in Ivory, two rounds. Uh, Chick Calderwood's brother, I can't think of his name. Uh, first name. Uh, Tom, I, was, I think. Tom Calderwood, yeah. that's it. I stopped him, stopped him in two rounds. I was on the deck two rounds in the first round. It slipped me, though, it was raining. I was watching out the slats, excuse me, watching out the slats, looking at Johnny Kramer was fighting. I didn't think one day I'd be fighting Johnny Kramer. But I, was, but I could see Johnny Kramer fighting Johnny Pritchett, and they were slipping all over the place. Wow. And... Um, so I thought, oh, I've got my boots out, I've got a pair of scissors from somewhere, scrapes my boots, because that's when you're going to rub the resin in. We had all that then in them days. And as I was doing it, big long corridor, who was coming along? Harry Levine. Do you remember, have you heard of Harry Levine? He was one of the top promoters in them, in them days. So I got up to shake hands with him and he went, sit down, son, you're going to be a star. I'll never forget it. I never, it never finished up like that, but I've never forgot them words. And I went round to see Henry Cooper. Terry took me round to see Henry Cooper. Terry Lawless took me round to see him. Just shook hands with him. I didn't want to be all... He's got a nut on his mind. But he's very polite. Very, he's a gentleman, Henry Cooper. And, I, and that's the story of me being on with, uh, with, with 
Ali. Well, you must, if the, to the listeners, you must Google, just Google Jimmy Tibbs and Muhammad Ali and you'll see the pictures that Jimmy's talking about. It's an amazing shot, Scott, isn't it? We were looking at it earlier. Yeah, we was looking, yeah. Like yeah. you say, it's obviously for publicity and uh, yeah, great to have uh, yeah. those pictures. Like you mentioned earlier on, you haven't got the picture with Bobby Moore, but you've got that picture with Ali. I've got it on my yeah. phone. Yeah, I've got Brilliant. it on my phone. And um, it was, you don't appreciate, what it is the experience again. When you're uh, 20 years of age, so as I've had it done, and uh, I'm more con- now I'm concentrating on my fight. But I was going through my papers the other day in, in, in the bedrooms, tearing things up and chatting things around. I come across the programme. Now, when I first turned pro, they thought that I was going to be a big heavyweight, like my dad. He was six foot three, four, 17 stone, big man. My brothers were the same. So they thought, oh, he's going to be big and he can fight and sell tickets. And I used to sell a lot of tickets, but I didn't get no heavier than 12 stone. Right, so that was it. They didn't have no super middleweights in them days, so they let me go light heavyweights. Now, when I was fighting light heavyweights at twelve stone, I had a lot of energy in me. I had a um, done a few interviews this week, Jimmy, with with a lot of young prospects who are coming through. Just looking at some of your achievements as a, as an amateur, you won the schoolboys for Great Britain twice, an ABC champion twice, uh, reached the ABA finals as a junior as well. What sort of impact do you think that pedigree truly has in terms of giving these young fighters the foothold? Uh, when they're turning professional? I think, in my opinion, it's good to have an amateur pedigree. If it's good, that's even better. Like when I was an amateur, as you say, you just read that, but I, but I had most of them, see, they were, in them days it was novice, something else in between, and then open. I had one fight, the in-between one, where you could uh, test you out. Then they put me open right away. So every amateur fight I had after that was 50-50. Good fights. When I boxed, when I boxed in the ABAs, in the f- uh, semi-finals of the Albert Hall, me, Mark Rowe, now we had a right tear-up. Me, Mark Rowe, Ronnie Smith, a good fighter. Another fighter, I don't like to keep saying this, but it's true, and I don't mean to run the person down. But I beat him, already beat him. Mark Rowe already beat him. He didn't show up. So there's three of us, right? We drew, I drew Mark Rowe, he drew me, so we had the semi-final. Punched the granny out of one another, <laughs> and Ronnie Smith just walked through it. Good luck to him, he was a good fight. I think now I think back, I know I was going to have an hard fight with Mark Rowe, and he knew the same. And we wasn't thinking about Ronnie Smith, but Ronnie Smith would probably have been the harder fight out of a lot of it, in my opinion now, thinking back. And uh, he went on to uh, the box packed wire, got through the, and I boxed packed wire in the club. So, I boxed Pat Dwyer in a club show uh, when I was uh, 17. Now, I walked into the gym and our matchmaker, the junior matchmaker, he knew how to place you all the way along till you got to a senior. Then you went on to the seniors and the matchmaker was like a, a friend. But you didn't need a friend in them days. You need someone who knew what they was doing. Mm. Right? And me and my mates walked into the gym. I only had a couple of fights as a senior. And he went, Jim, do you want to want to speak to you? Do you want to fight Pat Dwyer? Just like that. A fighter never says no. And I thought, myself, it's a bit early, but I thought, yeah, I'll fight him. Right, you're on the bill. Bum, bum, bum. All around Canning Town, sold the place out. <laughs> and uh, he beat me on points. But it was a great fight. And that made me, that made me. Read all the paper people were there, you know. But it was good, you know, and I've become a friend of Pat Dwyer after that. We're talking about um, <clears throat> the amateurs 
there, Jimmy. Obviously, your professional career was was cut short. About twenty four, I think you were, and yeah. you, you wrote a book, Sparring with Life, which you know the listeners can can yeah. and should go and read online. Yeah. Why did you feel that a book was something you you wanted to do? Well, I was asked to write a book years before I wrote that book. Before that book was written for me, actually. Um, uh, and the only reason I didn't write, didn't want it then to do it, I was kept thinking about my grandchildren. Me being in prison, I didn't want. I know they was going to find out one day, but I didn't want to expose it too early to yeah. them. You know what I mean? So, and I went up with my. I had an accountant then. I was earning a nice few quid, and, we, and he took me. And I was talking to him a lot about. It. He was a very nice man, and he took me up to the book people up the city, the, all the top book people. And they said, "Yeah, we do this, Jim. We do that." But every time I done it, I thought, "Nah, I'm, I'm not going to do it." Until one day, Mark brought in. Paul Zanon. Yeah, very nice bloke, yeah. Well, I didn't know him then. Paul Zanon come in and uh, Mark introduced me to him and Mark said, so if you're going to do a book, Dad, he said, this is the person you want to talk about. So when you think about the book, did it give you, you said you, you wrote it for a year. Over that period of writing it, did it give you a bit of closure? What, what did it do for you? It gave me a lot of closure because there's only, I I did mention four names that were seriously involved that, that caused the problem, that caused the trouble. I didn't wake up one day and want to be a gangster. I was a professional boxer. Because of what happened, I wanted revenge. and I didn't want nothing to do with boxing until this was cleared up. But it didn't get cleared up. So I went along with it. Yeah. And um, I've been asked to do a film about my life. But I said to him, I'll do that film. There's a lot more I could talk about it, but I'll just give the, the, the pieces of it. I said, I'll do that film on one condition. They said, what's that? The people that, that was involved with me getting hurt and me getting hurt and them getting hurt, I don't want to mention their names. They went, why not? They're no good, this, they're that. I went, no, but let me tell you why not. I said, they've got children and grandchildren and they've got to go to school. And I don't want other little kids saying to them little kids, your dad or your granddad's a grass. I don't want that. And they went, it's all right, Jim, we'll get around that. Fair play. How, uh, how far along is the, the plans for the film? Well, I'm waiting to hear from now, and I know it's going to happen if I want it to happen, because one of the family is uh, involved in the film. He's a millionaire. Wow. Uh, so he's he's involved in it. You going to be in it? Not really. I've got time. <laughs> 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 I've got time. <laughs> Maybe Mark can play you. <laughs> well, they're, they're going to look for someone you know, to play the boxer and uh, someone the trainer, and they're going into all that. It's going to, it's going to take a long while. Oh, wicked. We'll sit tight for that. I just want to, obviously, just, just touch on quickly some of your... You're amazing nights as a trainer. Uh, obviously, we know Nigel Ben really well. Obviously, yeah. WBO world middleweight champion Chris Pyatt as well. Uh, yeah. Working with a destroyer, um, yeah. what was that like? Oh, it was marvellous. I mean, they said to me when I first got that job, people on the side said, Jimmy, you're going to have a bit of trouble with it. I went, no, we'll see. We'll see. Because I knew him as amateur. He used to go to West Ham Boys Boxing Club. When my Jimmy was a fighter before he took football, when he was football and boxing. So I got to know him, Nigel, then, you know, he's always, always polite to me. Anyway, I, I went to, um, he phoned my house up, actually, and I wasn't there. My wife answered the phone, and he introduced himself to my wife on the phone, and um, he said, uh, I'd like your husband, Jimmy, to train me, Mrs Tibbs. She said, oh, my name's Claudette, and anyway, got they got talking. So she said, oh, I think, he, I think he will train you, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, she said, I can't say no, but I think he will. So but she don't know on the side, someone's already rang me up and asked me, will I 
train Nigel Ben. And I went, yeah, no problem. That's lovely. But see him around me house so and so time. She don't know that. Anyway, so he said the only but he said the only trouble is I've I wanted to train me in Tenerife. She said you can train him on the moon as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> as long as he trains you. But she was over the moon. So anyway, that's a, anyway. So um, when I got in, she told me come round. I, I made contact with him. He come round my bungalow at the time in Seven Kings, and uh, we we struck a, 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 a deal up. A, just to, to go out there with him. Uh, I didn't mention about 10% and going there, all that to him, because he offered me a good figure. And uh, But when he did have the fight, after the fight, he did pay me 10%. And he paid me 10% every time. Every time he fought, except for the big fight, I worked out a, a figure with him, with a lot of money. And even Barry Earn went to me, he done well there. <laughs> but he was fair, he always paid, but I always done my job with him. And uh, we had our days off, went up in the mountains when he was doing his run, his deep breathing. He didn't know nothing about that. Talk, you know, I did, told him, that's just the way to do it. Him and his wife, Caroline, she used to come up the mountain with us. He was very good to train. That mindset he had, for, totally ferocious, wasn't he? Do they, do they make fighters like that anymore, Jim? Uh, we don't make many like him like that. I mean, he was, you've mentioned the word ferocious. He, he could be rocking, rocking from a shot, and every, you know, rocking, oh, so roll, crunch, and over they go, over they go. Seen him do that, but I've seen he boxed off a guy from um, up York. Uh, you'll get the name. Good fighter, Mickey Duff had him, uh, and we was out in Tenerife, had four sparring partners, and this time he just sometimes fighters in sparring look rubbish, and he looked rubbish, and this was a very important fight, the hardest guy that he's met so far. Have you got that name? Henry Wharton. That's it, mate, Henry Walton. I don't know why I can't think Anyway, it was Henry Walton. And um, I thought, well, he's got to have sparring. But it was rubbish. So I went, right, this is what we're going to do, Nigel, if you think about it. Now, I was good on the pads. Not just boasted about that, but I was a good pet man. And I said, forget about the sparring partners. I'm going to be your sparring partner. He looked at me. I'm not going to keep no gloves on. We're going to do the pads. And that's what we've done for Henry Walton. The ped work. And this is how you're going to, you're going to box him. You're going to box fight him. And that's how he outboxed him. He outfought him. And, he used to, and I walked to the centre of the ring, I put my arm around him, walked him back, and he'd give you a big kiss. Then I knew he was on song. Yeah, brilliant. When you, when you speak to Nigel now, um, he's, ch he's changed a lot from the, uh, from the ferocious man, I'm yeah, sure, that you, again, you did work with. Uh, yeah, he obviously found God, and he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's a man who, who, like yourself, is at peace now, isn't he? I think. Yeah, I'm born again, the same thing. Yeah. I used to talk to him about God uh, in my own way. Not like that, I used to just talk to him. And, and I knew how to switch off if they was not interested. But I used to say to him, oh, so I've said enough, now you're not really interested. No, that, I am, tell me. And he'd be driving 100 miles an hour, looking over like that, <laughs> on that road, right? But he was interested. But he didn't come, he didn't come to the Lord then. His dad did. Because his dad kept saying to me, praise the Lord. But every time he spoke, he went, praise the Lord. So I thought, I'm going to ask him. So I asked him if he was a born-again Christian. He didn't know what I meant. As he answered me, I knew he wasn't. So I told him about the Lord and how to get born again. And I took him to church. And on that day of the evening, Nigel went, you've got me dead now. I went, no, Jesus has got him. And then all of a sudden it passed on to Nigel. Still good friends now, you and Nigel? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, lovely man. Yeah, he is. Jimmy, listen, I could um, 
sit and talk to you for hours uh, <laughs> if I was able to. And one day, hopefully, I might have another podcast where I'll get some yeah. some longer time to chat to you. Thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Um, pleasure. So many stories that we've managed to sort of squeeze into to 20 minutes or so there. But pleasure to catch up. All the best. Yeah, of course. Cool. Absolutely. Um, about Ebony. Yep. She, this is a, she, she's supposed to fight in September. That was cancelled. That's why she's had two camps with Mark, two long camps. I thought I'd mention that because we've both been there and it's been a long journey from last March till September. It's cancelled. Now we've gone on here to December. That's all I want to say. I think you uh, you you both get a lot of pride, wouldn't you? Seeing her retain that belt after what Please she's been God. through. Well, the best woman will retain it. That's all I can say. Great stuff. Well, we certainly wish you both the very best of luck, all three of you. Thank you very and much. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Jimmy. Thanks, we'll catch man. up soon. Thanks, Cheers, Jimmy. Thank, Thank you. you. Top man. Well, it is that time of the show once again, Dance Partners. On the face of it, it is quite simple, but let's see if that continues to be the case. We speak to a fighter who has had 20 or more fights in their professional career. They then get 30 seconds to name as many of their opponents as they can in that time. As the weeks go on, we'll formulate a leaderboard and the winner will receive a donation to give to a charity of their choice. Now, who could we get on this week? What's the question? We're on the hunt for a former world champion, someone who has interest in this weekend show and also... Someone who's just always been a good friend to everyone at Matram. Kaylee Reese joins us now. Well, Kaylee, it's always a pleasure to see you. Um, I remember the first time I think we met properly was when Chantel was fighting Mary McGee. I believe it was somewhere around that fight week. I and so. I sat down, we had a good uh, a good interview on camera and got to know you, but it's good to see you again. You're in Leeds, uh, part of the Bridges setup, obviously with with Brian Cohen as well, who's currently sitting away to our right um, in the room. Always good to have Brian involved. How are you, first of all? Because from our perspective, from a fan's perspective, it looked like yourself and Chantel Cameron was there. It was ready for Undisputed for all the marbles, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, what can you tell us about what you've been up to? Well, um, I'm doing great. I mean, I, I for one, definitely saw it happening. And then after the last, as I said in previous interviews, the last two, especially my last fight, it was evident and very obvious that I needed to take a break because of health reasons. You know what I mean? This hiatus is not a decision to just be like, whatever, I'm just going to chill. No, it's actually it's kind of necessary, and it's not a um, something that is a choice. It's a necessity. Um, and I've actually have had the chance to slow down and actually get the correct help I need right now. Um, I have um, Dr. Linda Dahl right now. She's amazing out of New York. She's on it um, with a whole team of amazing doctors kind of taking this whole thing on from a different angle. Um, it's taking a different approach that makes a lot of sense, but it's very, very intricate and delicate. Unfortunately, it's not a broken ankle that I can put in a cast for eight weeks. So, um, But I need the time. So, you know, the decision to not sit on um, these belts that I've rightfully earned very, you know, with every punch, with every breath, especially that last fight, um, it was didn't seem right. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't want to hold anything up. I wanted to, you know, make sure things were kept moving because I don't know. Um, but I rightfully so could have sat on them, just like a lot of choice fighters, male and female, get that, you know, special treatment. But I'm not that type of person. And I know Chantel is game. She's a warrior. She was ready. She wanted that that opportunity so when the when the time is right you know we'll be in that ring but I'm, I'm okay one day at a time I was talking to Shannon Courtney one of our fighters a little bit earlier this week and she's been out of the ring for quite a long time as well and she was talking about her hunger and the itchy knuckles and how excited she is to get back in there have you 
I know how much you've always loved this sport, but perhaps in the time off, have you have you learned a little bit more about yourself and certainly about how, how much you want this and how much you still feel you've got to go on to achieve in this game? Well, my hunger never left. Um, it's one of those things that are bittersweet. I kind of took a step away from boxing altogether. It's really hard for me to watch it. It's hard for me to go to a fight. It's hard for me. I mean, we have a gym back home in Philly. It's hard for me to go in the gym. It's hard for me to train because, you know, I'll get like a two, two or three days of like going in the gym. And my, my coach back home, Rel, he doesn't care whether we're fighting or not. We're in a camp, you know what I mean? And I'll get those two or three days and it's bittersweet because I don't know when I'm going to fight again. So to be honest with you, I haven't watched much. I've been taking a step back. Um, I don't like talking about it much right now because it really sucks, you know, to be honest with you. However, um, I appreciate the hungers. If anything, it's getting more and more learning a lot more about myself physically. Even right now when I do, I still, you know, still try to maintain, but like maintaining my body the right way right now. But um, it's weird, man. It's pretty sad. I'll hit the back. I'm like, yeah, I feel good. Damn, man. I don't know when I'm going to fight again. It kind of sucks right now. Did you see any of the, the Chantel-Jessica McCaskill fight? Absolutely, I did. Yeah, what did I you did. think? I had to watch that. I had to watch it. And um, big shout-out to Chantel, man. She did her thing. She she definitely put on a, a class act. And, you know, everybody – you know, what really shocked me was the fact that all the commentators and were shocked by how horrific Jessica McCaskill is, in like, in general. And – like I said before, she comes angry and in shape with a chip on her shoulder. That's really all she has to bring to the table. And Chantel did a great job doing her job, exposing her, and winning those belts, rightfully so. It was it was interesting. We were obviously out in Abu Dhabi for, for the whole build-up to the fight, and Jess and, and Rick were so confident. You know, I, I kept talking to her about Chantel and about her pedigree, and they, they shunned all of that away, really. And from what we could see, I don't know if you thought the same, it didn't look like there was really any sort of game plan any real tactics i think they thought they would go in there and be able to take a head off right is that sort of how you saw it as well i mean they never do have a game plan right doesn't look like he has a game plan type trainer he looks like he has a couple of boxing classes on the weekends he wears his slides does pads and then gets her in shape i mean looks like maybe he gets her in shape but it didn't never look like a game plan because there was no adjustment when one thing's not working as a fighter and as a good corner you adjust your whole team adjusts you have and play a plan a through a b c d and f is fucking right you know what i'm saying but um she didn't make any adjustments and he didn't really give her any guidance either it felt like she was looking like okay homie this ain't working what do we do next and you can't just show up to a fight and just say yeah i'm the best and and i'm just gonna do what i do you know you got to come to that fight with with you know everything to lose and you got to make sure you do by any means necessary if any you know in any fight in every fight if you're not going to win any fight it's this fight and it should be every fight like that like every fight should matter and it doesn't look like it mattered now it's kind of disrespectful to the sport have a plan man for you you're definitely in the frame of course and, and these fights are always going to be talked about until they do happen you said you haven't really got an idea of when you'll be fighting do you, are you hopeful it will be in 2023 though I'm looking forward to 2023. I mean, like I said, now the new shift of um, health-wise, doctor-wise, it's looking better as far as getting closer to an answer and a game plan for my health. You know what I mean? Kind of, it's one of those things they got to figure it out and then go, okay, this is the plan. But it's a lot of trial and error. I'm on a trial and error right now. Like, do this, do that. Okay, let's see how it reacts. And okay, no, go back to plan B. It's getting a lot more extensive um, and a lot more body parts than I thought um you know your brain operates a lot of things and we're kind of going that route now so it's going to take some time but hopefully 2023 Ebony Bridges this weekend um I said to Scott earlier on the podcast I've been sat in the middle of Ebony and Shannon O'Connell 
with a big old spoon stirring that pot up as as best as I can to keep uh, Mr Hearn happy. He loves all that. Um, mate, you've enjoyed the build up and, and looking forward to a good fight tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, she's um, O'Connell. I have personally, I have nothing against her, but Ebony is also a good friend of mine, and she's also our fighter. And she's like our boxing kid, so she got beef, I got beef. You know what I mean? No <laughs> vegans around here. And she just sounds delirious. Like, she just has talked a lot of shit. And I don't appreciate talking shit about my friend fighter and my boxing kid. So, yeah, nah. She can talk all that shit, but she's going to be in for a, um, a rude awakening. And, you know, Ebony, she's all about to banter, but as soon as that bell rings, all Things that change. all that stripper and bimbo shit goes right out the window so i'm very excited for her i'm glad i was able to be here for her for this um so yeah i'm excited for o'connell is just she talks a bunch of shit man she just died her hair too much or something it got to her brain i don't know <laughs> well, we can't wait can't wait for tomorrow night we are gonna throw to the the business part of this segment no and i'm not sure i'm sure you've been sitting there thinking Oh, about some apart no come on don't lie I, come you on. know when you mentioned brian's, it, brian's yeah. been whispering he's writing little things oh, down man, over partners. there I don't know why. <laughs> well you will get 30 seconds to name as many of your opponents as you can 27 fights as a professional you've been a two-weight world champion you've had massive fights i just wonder how are your nerves how are your nerves for this comparing i mean whatever man <laughs> I, i've been through so much stuff right so this is like if it happens it happens if it don't it don't but because it's for charity i'm like fuck i want i want to do good I wanna okay do good. we wish you the best of luck Thank we're gonna you. start the clock in three two one betsy go. rowell um jessica camara christina hammer uh michaela loren cecilia brekus Um, we were just talking about her. I don't know, man. I'm going to do really bad at this. Brian's making faces, Kelly. Come no, on. No, he should make faces. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sick right now. That is time. Kelly oh, Reese, come wow. on. Dude, I'm tired. <laughs> I haven't slept. Not that there's any excuses, but... Yeah. Jet lag. Not jealous. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to make excuses for you for, for that performance. No, no, no. That was <laughs> no, that was terrible. I know it was. Uh, I'm tired. I worked all night and then got on a plane and then just took a nap just now. So I think you got five. Oh, five out of twenty-seven is terrible. So yeah, no, nah, well, bad. Okay, I don't know how to break this to you, um, but you won't be getting a charity donation. You won't no, be getting. I know. Sadly, not. Sorry. Maybe um, I'll have to do that in my own pocket now. But unfortunately, the f the score of five sits just below. Jesse Vargas and John Ryder. That's fine. At the bottom of the pile, sadly. Oh no, I'll be. I'll take first place for the worst. That's fine. But I think you are. You might be one of the best dressed. Oh, thank fella. you, thank you. That's that's, that's always makes all me purple happy. outfit today. Looking cool, yeah, and no. you're cool as well. I always like having you on. Oh, thank you I like seeing you. Like catching up with you. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, so, take, I'll take. The, more, I'll take. The, it's not all about winning. It's so taking part in the count. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, I took. Yeah. You know, I took part in it, and I will admit that sucked. Ass bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I felt like there was, was no, there was no real effort. You know? Oh you're no, too, it was you're too cool for this sort bad, of stuff. Yeah, you're not taking any of my shit anyway. Well, Kelly, great, great to see you. Um, always good to see uh, Benjamin Button, Brian Cohen, as I'm being calling him over there. <laughs> um, really look forward to seeing you back in the ring soon. Uh, I've got some massive fights to make at one forty. I know, I know. I mean, um, just because this little, you know, sleeping wolf over here is sleeping doesn't mean I ain't dead, man. Just so don't. Forget about me. Or, or forget true. about me. No, that's no, no one's forgetting about right. you. I'm not forgetting about you anyway, <laughs> and I'm sure the listeners aren't. But yeah, look forward to, to some big fights and seeing you back in the ring, doing what you do best in 2023, Kelly so Reese. Really Thanks so much for coming it. on. Thank you.
to finish the show this week, as always, we'll talk about the best things to happen in boxing last week. First of all, let's have a little a round of applause in the room for the new WBA World Bantamweight Champion, Nina Hughes. Match from new signing yep. as well. Uh, Nina, welcome to the show. First of all, every fighter dreams of hearing those three words. I've spoke to so many fighters and they say that time stands still and they can't begin to tell you what's going through their mind when they hear those three words. But for you and the new... Uh, can you talk us through the emotions now? You've had a bit of time to process it. Yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Like We was confident we'd won, but obviously you're still never sure until they actually say those words. So it's still nerve-wracking when you're listening to the judges' scorecards, even though you're confident. But yeah, it was an amazing feeling to hear those words. Such an amazing story as well <laughs> for you, just what one year into the professional game. Um, just talk to us about the confidence heading into the fight, the self-belief yeah. that you had and... And why you believe this was your destiny to become world champion? Um, well, we'd watched Jamie since she beat Shannon Courtney, and it's always a fight I looked at and believed I could win. And um, yeah, we trained so hard for it. Um, we was really confident. I mean, I was quite surprised at how relaxed I was going into the fight. Um, I was a bit worried why I wasn't so nervous. I thought the whole occasion would get to me, but it really didn't. I just felt so relaxed going in. I was really confident. We'd had a really good camp, and um, we knew exactly what we had to do. We trained for everything. And, uh, yeah, it worked on the night. And just in terms of your story, for the fans who, who might not completely know it, why was you know, that year ago the, the right time to turn professional and, and why, why do we find you in this position that we do now? Well, when I come off GB like, as an amateur, it's like 10 years ago, I looked at turning pro and the female professional wasn't around then. Like, it was, but it wasn't big. Um, and then, yeah, I was looking at retiring from boxing and I was just watching female box, professional boxing taking off. Um, watching all the girls on the telly in lockdown, I just thought, I've got to give it a go. I know it's late in my career, but I just thought I can still compete at that level and I've got to give it a go. It'll be something I regret. Well, certainly not. Some, certainly something you would have regretted <laughs> had, you not, had you not now. Um, when you think about that, like, I was talking earlier um, to a few fighters about pedigree and about how important that pedigree is when you do turn over. What sort of foothold do you think that does give young fighters? Yeah, definitely. Like I wouldn't have been able to move at the pace I did had I not had... I had like 74 amateur fights, so had I not had that amateur pedigree, there's no way I would have been able to move that fast. Obviously, because of my age, we had to move that fast, but because of the amateur pedigree, we could do so. So like on my third fight, I boxed for the WBO International and the Commonwealth title, and then we was always looking at world titles, but it happened quicker than we expected. Now, although winning a world title for many fighters is the Everest, it's the pinnacle for you, <laughs> it's very much just the beginning. So many exciting fights around yeah. the bantamweight division. You're obviously here in Leeds with your eye on a couple of fights, yeah. I, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that why we find you here in the city Yeah, this definitely. Like, I'd love to win more belts now. I've got one, Unify. Um, but I just I want the big fights that the fans want to see, so I'm looking forward to boxing on the big stage and seeing what I can get. I was talking to Shannon Courtney about her her movements. Obviously, she's very excited to get back in the ring. She's been out for a, a long time. She obviously lost her world title on the scales before her fight with Jamie Mitchell. Ideal scenario, she wants you next. Uh, is that a fight that you're interested in? Yeah, definitely. Um, if that's, obviously, I want the belts next, but if they can't be um, made next, I want to stay active. So it's definitely a fight I'll consider. And that fight, the chief support, um, interesting way in today, as it always <laughs> is. Uh, with Ebony yeah. Bridges, what did you make of that? Well, you, know, you always know what to expect. <laughs> Interesting's the, the, the word there. Yeah. yeah, interesting. That's what she does. That's what she's all about, so... 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Shannon O'Connell was uh, too impressed. <laughs> no, no, it's two completely different sort of yeah, ends of the spectrum. Just there. You like know, Shannon, so different. Shannon O'Connell's been in the business a long time, and yeah. I think she kind of feels like Ebony's maybe had a bit of a, a fast track and a, maybe mm. a bit of a leg up to a world title. So, yeah, it's been interesting seeing that unfold this week. You know, first time they met was on Wednesday. Um, obviously, today, locking locking eyes for the final time before tomorrow night. Um, who do you think's going to win that one? It's a tough one. Like it's, I think it's going to be a good fight, especially they really dislike each other by the looks of things. So if they bring that into the ring, it's going to be a great fight. Looking at their backgrounds and their pedigree, Shannon O'Connor's been in with the much higher calibre of people. So in that way, I'm swaying towards Shannon O'Connor, but you never know what's going to happen on the night. So the upsets always happen. Would you like Ebony to win? Is that a bigger fight, do you think, that unification? I think it's an easier fight to make because she's been matching in England. So in that way, yes, definitely. But uh, it comes to boxing-wise, I don't mind who would box. As oh. long as I just want to box the winner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So many big nights to look forward to next year, Nearly, We can't wait. Going to throw over to Scott, who's got a few shouts from the fans um, <laughs> that we're going to run through as well. Yeah, first one is from Jenna McStay, who suggests the best thing to happen in boxing last week, or might have been the week before now, was Nina winning the world title. A new fan here, Jenna says. Yeah, um, obviously when you, you burst onto the scene like you have done over, over the last year and you win a world title, have you noticed your your profile increase? You've been stopped on the street in Tesco's a little bit more? <laughs> Someone asked me for my first picture earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good because I know no one gave me a chance that... Everyone thought Jamie was going to beat me easily, so it, it was an even sweeter feeling proving everyone wrong. Um, we always believed it, but yeah, I didn't realise. I knew I was the underdog going in, but I didn't realise how much until I see some of the polls. Like I think it was one poll was like ninety six percent of people had her winning, and only four percent people thought I was going to win. So I really was the underdog, but yeah, it was nice to prove everyone wrong. Have you got the belt yet? No, still Ooh, waiting. No. We'll have to follow that up. If you're listening, we'll have to follow that up. Yeah, where are you gonna, making me a good one. <laughs> where are you going to put it? You got a place sorted in your in your living room? No, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <An> important <laughs> decision. Yeah, it's clear some space. They're big and belts. Need to find somewhere. I've still got my other two just in the bag. I need to find somewhere for them to. <laughs> well, keep some more space on the wall because I'm sure you'll yeah. be looking to to add more to it uh, in the coming years. Um, next suggestion actually is from numerous people who are suggesting watching Tyson Fury last week. He's a living legend. Seemed to be the generic sort of. Uh, feeling. Yeah, I went to the fight as a fan. A um, few people questioned that. I mean, I work in boxing every week and my one weekend off, I went and watched more <laughs> boxing. Uh, but I, we've known Derek, obviously, for a long time. So I went to support Dell. Enjoyed the bit at the end with Usyk getting in his face and, and Joe Joyce throwing himself into the mix as well. Yeah. In your opinion, Nina, um, who's the best heavyweight in the world right now? And what fight do you want to see more than any other? Um, Tyson Fury is definitely, I consider the best. Um, I, I think he's... It's a fight. Everyone wants to see him and Uzik, but I just think he's too big. I think Uzik's more skillful, but he, I think he's just too big for Uzik. So. What about Joyce? He got a chance, you think, against Fury? No, nah, he'll just pick him off easily. Like he has got a jaw, and like you can't knock him out. Whether he'll knock him out is a different matter. But yeah, no, nah, he'd be too skillful for him. Do you think we'll ever see AJ Fury? Mm. Do you think we've missed the boat? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been what close a few times now, and yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Depends Maybe if AJ keeps winning. Maybe. Yeah, I hope so. I'd like to see AJ Wilder. That's probably the next. Yeah. Apart from Fury Usyk, Fury AJ, then I think AJ Wilder is the other fight I'd like to see. Still some massive fights being made in the heavyweight division. Um, just one thing you mentioned then about Usyk getting in the ring and having a face-off. Are you going to do that tomorrow with uh, anyone? Yeah, you, got, <laughs> you should. You should. Actually, Nina, you're on commentary tomorrow. You're making your um, your debut behind the mic with uh, Darren Barker. Looking forward to calling the, the action from ringside? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, something new, something different, so... 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I've told Ebony if she rings to dive at you. <laughs> so we'll make sure the cameras are rolling for that one. <laughs> uh, last shout this week is uh, from Cesar Nunez, who says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was the Estrada Chocolatito trilogy. It was fire. Respect to both. Two legends. Um, another great fight. Are you? I'm, I was just joking there about me going to the fights in my mm-hmm. spare time. Are you a boxing fan? Do you enjoy watching the fights? I do watch a lot of the fights. Not so much the American ones that are in the middle of the night now, unless they're the really big ones. <laughs> Catch up in the morning. But um, yeah, I do enjoy watching boxing. I watch all the big shows over here. Who's your favourite fighter? At the moment, I don't know. When I was first started boxing, I used, to, I used to follow a lot of Ricky Atten because yep. I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah, with uh, you there. They're, the, they're the fights that I used to sit up at five o'clock in the morning and watch. And Joe Kerzaghi, I followed a lot of him as well. But now I tend to watch him in the morning <laughs> instead of standing up till five. I think Ricky might be coming tomorrow. Uh, I don't know actually. Uh, well, Shannon O'Connell's been in his gym, right? Yeah. And Ricky's really good friends with Ebony, so I think he's been in, he's been in a, the middleman a little bit. But I think he might come tomorrow. Have you met him? No. Well, there you go. We'll have to introduce you. Get the cameras yeah. rolling for that as well. <laughs> um, Nina, great to catch up. Great to meet you as well. Uh, welcome you to the team. Can't wait for a massive year next year. Yep. Uh, best of luck on the comms desk tomorrow. Thank Enjoy you. the fights and uh, <laughs> we'll be seeing you very soon. Well, thanks to everyone, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Very special Thank you to our guests as well, Jimmy Tibbs, Austin Amo-Williams, Nina Hughes, Kaylee Reese, and Janaid Bostan as well. Don't forget all the action live on the zone from Leeds, the first direct arena from 2.15pm tomorrow afternoon. And of course, we break for the big one, England versus France, the World Cup quarterfinal from 7pm, shown live in the arena. So if you come in, brace yourself for a hell of an atmosphere tomorrow night. And then, of course, the boxing resumes from around 9pm with Felix Cash, Ebony Bridges against Shannon O'Connell in a mouth-watering fight. And, of course, the main event, the return of Josh Warrington defending his IBF World Featherweight title against Luis Alberto Lopez. Thanks, as always, for listening. And we'll be back next week for some end-of-year reviews, some look-backs, and a big, big look ahead to 2023.